We confess our appreciation for you, Lord, this morning. We say, Father, receive all the praise. Receive all the glory. For in Jesus' name we worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The gospel has all that we need. The gospel has everything that God has in mind before the foundation of the world. If you can truly appreciate the gospel, it will surely deliver to you whatever thing you're looking for in life. God's mind is found in the gospel. Nothing else. Everything that's intended for you and I is wrapped up in the gospel. The gospel contains healing, it contains deliverance, it contains provision. Everything you ever need in life is in the gospel. When you say you are a believer, it simply means you believe what the gospel is saying. And I want you to pick that. Now, I want to read some things to us this morning. They are going to be a little bit deep, but they are not as deep as that. If you can open your mind to see. But I'm going to be speaking from the book of Revelation chapter 21. And I'm just speaking on this simple subject, which I have simply called, No More Tears. Hallelujah. To me, Revelation 21 is an exciting passage. Revelation 21, let's begin to look for verse number 1. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Hallelujah. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Which one is the first and which one is the second? You know, we had a world that was the world of Noah. That was also a heavenly realm and an earthly realm. But just for you to understand, I really want to indulge or ask some of you to make it at the point of duty. To be in Bible studies any time from, let me say, two weeks' time. I'm going to be dealing on prophetic symbols as we relate to the word heaven and earth. All of those things you find a little bit confusing. I want to be dealing with them. Prophetic symbols in the scripture so that you can have an understanding what this thing stands for. Anytime heaven is mentioned, your mind goes back, I mean, goes up to something upstairs. And anytime earth is mentioned, you're talking about where your grasses are growing. But the point actually remains that if you take time to check the scriptures, you're going to find that heaven and earth are scriptures, I mean the scriptures are symbolic. Heaven actually speaks of religious and political authorities. Earth speaks of the place or nation where prophetic words are fulfilled. If you go back to the book of Matthew, time will not permit us. In the course of the Bible study, I'm going to be explaining some of these things to you. When Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my earth will not pass away. He wasn't dealing with the earth physically. He was dealing with the economy of Israel. Are you still there with me? He was dealing with the system of Israel, the economy of Israel, which actually has to do with Judaism. He was dealing with the authorities that was in play, which actually with the priesthood that was ruling over the people. The earth were simply the people. If you go back to the book of Exodus, even Deuteronomy, for instance, 32, here the scripture saying, God was making a proclamation and he said, Hear, O heaven, and hear, O earth. Who was he talking to? He was just speaking to the empty space? No. When God was speaking in Deuteronomy, hear O heaven and hear O earth, He was speaking to the priesthood and the people that they were ruling over. Political and religious authorities 
and the people be controlled by those people are often referred to as heaven and what? And earth. So when he says here, the four seven has passed away and the earth has also passed away, he wasn't talking about the geographical location. He was talking about the system was always in place before the new thing was being done. Remember, when he said, I make all things new, he's talking about the Old Testament passing away and the New Testament coming into place. Now, let's read a few things from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. When you read that, number one, he said, I saw new heaven and new earth for the first seven and the first set will pass away and there was no more sea. How many of you have listened to our, our message on no more sea? Okay. You need to get a CD and listen to it so that you can quickly follow this. Isaiah 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heaven and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Have you read that before? But the Bible says, I will write my laws where? In their hearts. When you look at that, it's dealing with the old structure, the old system. And some of you, your old heaven, and your old earth must also pass away when God wants to do a new thing. What I mean is, the controlling factors of your life must be allowed to go. Every system that controls you, every mindset that is controlling you, is your heaven. Because in the book of Daniel, the Bible said the heavens do rule. Hallelujah. Now, if you may understand how come that this new heaven and new earth is coming into place and the old is passing away. You go back a little bit to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Let's look at verse 10. Look at what he has to say. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. We are the beast and the false prophet and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I haven't said this, and it's very important you know that when you're reading scriptures like this. Day and night is never going to be in eternity. How many of you understand that? These are keys you need to understand scriptures. The book of Genesis made us to understand from the creation week. The day the sun was made to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. Is that okay? Come on, are we together? And when Noah offered his own sacrifice, the Bible says, See, Tanam Havel shall never see day and night. When you come to the issue of day and night, they are directly connected to the earth. Day and night is not in eternity. Is that okay? But here we are saying, the devil, the false prophets that deceived the people were cast into the lake of fire and they were tormented day and night. I'm not going to find time to explain this. But if you go back to the book of Daniel, I mean, the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to find the same thing, that the stream that was flowing from the throne of God was like a lake. Now, I don't want to go into that. But watch what is going on here. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven did what? Fled away. And there was find no place for them. Watch what is going on here. The earth and the heaven fled from the presence of the Lord. Because the heaven and earth fled, that is why there is a new heaven and a new earth. In chapter 21. <laughs> you need to get this very quickly. Remember, he was sitting on the throne. Is that okay? It was because he was seated on his throne and in his presence, the old heaven and the old earth did what? Fled away. Now that the old earth and the old heaven have disappeared, a new one but of necessity be replaced or come into place. Is that okay? This is why you now find in Genesis, I mean Revelation 21, he begins to talk about, I saw what? A new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the old heaven... And the old earth has fled away while the throne was being 
established or as he sat where on his throne. I'm going to take my time because this is more like a teaching stuff so that you can understand it. What I'm trying to make you understand is this. If you come before the throne of God, your own heaven and your own earth will do what? Will disappear. And there is something that pertains to the new earth and the new heaven, which I'm going to make you see. Amen? Now, if you go down to Daniel, you just write it down. Daniel, if you look at Daniel chapter 2 and verse 23, we're going to find the same principle. The Bible made us to understand, talking about the image of Daniel, talking about the four kingdoms, right? If you go back to study that, you're going to see something there. The Bible made us to understand that the little stone came, break the feet of the, of the image, is that okay? And then the wind came and blew away the whole of those things like the summer threshing floor from its presence. Meaning, when God's kingdom is erected, the other previous kingdom cannot stand in its presence. It's the same picture. Are you getting this? So if you dare, listen to me. I don't know if God is going to allow me to go so far this morning. But if you dare come to the judgment throne of God, your old life will melt out of your life, and your new life will be given unto you. I'll show you some scriptures. Let me just go on here. The Bible tells us that the throne that is sat upon was a white throne. And you know, when I was young in the faith, we were told that that is what is going to happen at the end time. Every one of us is going to line up on the throne, and the man will be sitting there on this white throne. And they say he has white hair. You know, they give all of those pictures. So we begin to picture God as that old man sitting on the white throne. But you see, if you take time to study what we're looking at here, the Bible made us understand. Fine, you can say it is God sitting on the throne. But the point again is, God is not judging people. It is Christ that is judging people. The Bible made us understand that God has committed all judgment into the hands of His Son. So God is judging people in the Son. That's what the Bible talks about. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So the throne is actually being stamped upon by who? By Jesus. I know, you know, you've been told about coming to the judgment seat of Christ. Have you read about that before? Good. This is what I'm trying to make you see now. Hallelujah. And then, why is it white? Why is a complete net of colors? Basically, why symbolize purity? True justice. Are you still there with me? That is a symbol of the word white. So when you talk about white throne, he's talking about purity, he's talking about holiness, he's talking about right justice. Unlike what you can obtain from any other person or from any other throne, which is earthly. This is a white throne. Hallelujah. And when you see the hair white like wool, it speaks of two things. Gray hair basically speaks of wisdom in the Bible. Outside of that, it speaks of true justice. And that is why you find that when you go to the court, the chief judge has to put a wool on his head. Have you noticed that? What do you think is symbolizing? He's saying there is no corruption in the judgment that he wants to bring. He said it's full of wisdom. So you see lawyer, put on, any lawyer here, put on wool on your head. What they are trying to tell you is that we are pure people. We speak truth. We speak justice. So when the chief judge is sitting on the, on the, on the bench there and then you're watching him with the white wool, he wants to pronounce judgment on you. You are, he's trying to tell you my judgment is pure. It's not contaminated. So when you see in the Bible, you read about the ancient of days with his head white, what he's trying to tell you, that this man is pure, is holy, and the judgment of God is righteous, and justice of God is pure. He's a man that is full of wisdom. Are you there with me? Hallelujah. That's what he's talking about. So, but watch what we say there. As soon as this man sat on the throne, the old heaven and the old earth did what? Flee. They disappear from what? From his presence. Okay, go to verse 2 again. Revelation 21 verse number 2. 21 verse number 2. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Why is it new? Because there was an old Jerusalem. So you find that what we're dealing with 
has connection with the old Jerusalem. Now, what was the old Jerusalem? Basically, old Jerusalem has to do with the law. Amen? Come on, are you there with me? It has to do with the law, it has to do with the mode of worship, all system of worship, all system of rituals. But now, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down. And the new Jerusalem actually is Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We find that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 22. The Bible says, You have come unto God and to the city of the living God, the heavenly what? Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 22. Alright. Praise the living God. And the Bible says, Coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride out of her husband, which is Christ himself. And he heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And the Bible says, He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be what? Their God. Now listen, I want to emphatically state this. He's not talking of something that's going to come in the future. Is that okay? If you follow in context, the Bible is simply saying, this new Jerusalem is going to have the people. But a temple in this Jerusalem is not a physical temple. It is the same people that made up what? The new Jerusalem. Are you there with me? Now, so, we're having God right now, where? In us. Through Christ. By the Holy Spirit. So, where do you find the throne of God? <laughs> Are you still there with me? The ruling power of God is right where? Within you. That is why your old man must flee. Your old philosophy must disappear. Your old nature must disappear. Sicknesses must disappear. There is nothing of old that can stand the presence of he who sits on the throne. Hallelujah. Verse number four. Very interesting. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are what? Passed away. What are the former things? Somebody say, well, Pastor David, this is what I'm talking about. This is going to happen only in the millennium. I have nothing to do with the millennium. You have to do with everything you are experiencing now. Watch this. All the former things have to do with everything Adam plays on you. Together with what the Lord keeps telling you to do. Hallelujah. The former thing have to do with every cause that Adam experienced by reason of the fall. Which you yourself come into experiencing by association. I've only said this. You were not there when Adam sinned. Were you there? But you were born into this world and you were made to understand that you were a sinner because Adam sinned. And you simply believe. And because you believe everything that Adam was supposed to suffer, you begin to suffer it. Now, this is the good news. God is saying, just like there was one Adam that made you suffer, there's another Adam that can make you enjoy life. Are you there with me? Okay. So, the former things have passed away. May the former things in your life begin to disappear. Are you there with me? Why? Because you are right in His throne. I mean, before His throne, you are in His presence right at this moment. Okay, look at verse number 5. And he that stood upon the throne said, Behold, I do what? I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and what? Faithful. I make all things new. And that is why the Bible made us to understand, He that is in Christ is what? A new creature. All things. The old things are the same thing as the former things. They passed away. You together? The old things in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 or so, is the same thing you find here talking about the former things being passed away. So it's not a tomorrow thing. It's not a millennium thing. There are some things I'm going to make you see. I just want to go because of time here. Look at verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a test of the fountain of the water of life freely. When was the first time that this was mentioned in the Bible? The book of John. With regards to the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm not sure if you remember that. 
Good. That is why the water of life flows freely. And it talks about the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be to me what? My son. All things. All things. What are the all things? I'm going to enumerate a few things here first. But the primary thing that you are going to have is this. Watch this. If he becomes your God, automatically becomes your father. And the word there is, he will inherit what? All things. So everything that God has, you are supposed to inherit. Yes, yes, yes. Is God going to be our God in the millennium? Will he be our father only at the millennium time? He that overcome it. Some of the things you need to overcome is to go back to the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 about the seven churches and see their failures and overcome those failures. God becomes your God and because he's your God, he's now your father and because he's your father, you are his son. And as a son, you do what? You hear it. That's why I keep on shouting and saying it loud and clear to you. You are not meant to receive or receive things or get things by struggling. You are not even meant to get even by what I call favor. You are meant to get by what? Inheritance. Because you have a relationship with God and God is your father. Praise the living God. Some of the things you need to inherit, which you mentioned here, let me just say on that. Number one, God Becomes a tabernacle for the sun. Watch this. The tabernacle of God is now what? With men. Meaning, we now have God residing within us. Tabernacle means the dwelling place of God. And how many of you understand that if you check the scriptures, the tabernacle of was in the wilderness was the place where God was revealing his glory. Amen? It simply means, if God is not tabernacle with you, you are supposed to manifest what? The glory of God. It was a symbol of His presence in the wilderness. Anytime the tabernacle is pitched, the glory cloud is there. Indicating that He is right in the midst of His people. And remember what he told Moses. He said, build the tabernacle that I may come and dwell among you. So God is not far from you. Are you with me? He is not far from you. It's right where you are. In fact, you have become his dwelling place. And because you become his dwelling place, you are meant to reveal his glory. Hallelujah. Number two, the things you inherit. The Bible says, I will wipe all tears from their eyes. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. It doesn't matter what you're seeing. The Bible made us understand the things we see are temporary. The things we cannot see are what? Eternal. The tears you're actually supposed not to pass through or to be experiencing, or God really wants to wipe from your eyes, also connects to everything that Adam plays upon your life. Remember what he said. In sorrow shall the women bring forth. Did he say so? And then in sorrow shall you yourself, even as you're going to find. Genesis chapter 3. Remember that. The whole causes were laid on him. Those were the tears that man actually picked. The God is saying he's going to wipe away. As we go down, you're going to see something now. Now number three. No more deaths. That's very critical. I'm going to explain more on that. And some of us feel, oh, come on, people are still dying. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to share the word of God with you so that you can understand what death means and what death doesn't mean. Are you still there with me? But just write it down. These are the things you receive as inheritance. Then number five, former things are passed away. We mentioned that before. Okay, number four, right there. Neither sorrow nor crying. Then five former things have passed away. Now, no more tears. I want to deal with that very specifically. Remember, Christ is now in his throne. And the Bible tells us, in the presence of the Lord, what do you have? Fullness of joy. Can you equate joy with tears? Can tears and joy walk together? That's what I'm telling you. If we believe the scriptures, 
And the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord, there is one fullness of joy. That means really came to banish tears from our eyes. I'm sure you can still remember what I shared with us when we're dealing with not meat and drink being the kingdom. We talk about the joy that the world cannot give. How many of you remember that? We talk about the peace that passes that world, all understanding. Okay. Now, let's get down and look at this. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 25. Because that's where you have number four. The number four point. No more, neither sorrow nor crying. Turn with me to Isaiah 25, verse number eight. Let me begin to read. This is part of where the scriptures we are taking from. Most times you read the New Testament, you find that they are actually quotation of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Amen? Most of the things, I would rather say 90% of what the prophets spoke about have been fulfilled. You talk about the virgin bed. Do we have a virgin bed? Are we expecting another one? Isaiah 25, are you there with me? He said, he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the rebuke of other people shall be taken away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Hallelujah. Now if you connect this to 1 Corinthians 15, this is what Paul was quoting. In 1 Corinthians 15, and verse 54. You can turn there. And he says, so when... This corruption shall I put on incorruption. And this mother shall I put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass. The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Who is that talking about now? He's quoting the same Isaiah 25. Are you there with me? Then shall, I'm going to make you see what I'm talking about right here. Get this right. First Corinthians was written in A.D. 57 and 58. Jerusalem was crushed when? A.D. 70. 57, 58, how many years? Before A.D. 70, almost about 12 years. Am I right? So, Paul wrote what he's writing some 12, 13 years before the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Are you still there with me? And don't you forget, before the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, the physical temple was still on. The worship was still going on there. Men were still worshiping in the physical temple. So at that time, the tabernacle of God was not with men. Are you following what I'm talking about? So get the picture right. So when Paul is writing this, he's not just talking about some future thing. In the true sense, he's talking about when the tabernacle will finally come down and God's kingdom will be fully erected. Because the fall of Jerusalem signal the full erection, if I may use the word, of what? The kingdom of God. Because that is when God truly begins to tabernacle with men. The eyes were not off the temple. Before now, the eyes were still on the temple. The worship was still going on. How many of you remember that the first crop of believers that actually came to Jesus were all Jewish people? So they were still going to the temple to worship. Paul and all of that, as a matter of fact, they were still going there. Though Paul was going to go minister to the people, but people like Peter were actually still going to the temple, even after the door of Pentecost. How many of you understand that? That is why he met the, 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 the layman by the beautiful gate. They were still going to the temple. So at that stage, you find that the tabernacle of God was not truly what? With men. They have not received it. They have not received or believed into it. But what we're declaring now is, once the temple came down in AD 70, there was no place for man to go and worship anymore. Now their attention was focused on who? On God. The Holy Spirit that was now within. Then the tabernacle of God is truly on what? With men. Are you there with me? Now, but let me show you something. Verse 5 and 55. Oh, death, where is thy sin? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Right? The sin of death is sin, and the strength of sin is what? Is the law. But thanks be to God, who gave us the victory through our Lord who? Jesus Christ. Amen? There are some things I'm going to make you see in this passage. 
But let me show you something here, first and foremost. The victory over that comes through the gospel. It's not coming in some days to come. It came through the gospel. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hallelujah. Look at what it says here. I'm reading verse 8. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has done what? And has brought life and what? Immortality to life through what? Now, see what Paul was saying. When this corruption are put on incorruption. When this mother are put on immortality. Now, how are you going to receive immortality? When is it supposed to come? Through the gospel. Amen? Why we can't put on immortality? Why we're not receiving immortality? It's simply because that subject is not being preached. And what you don't hear, you can assess. Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. I would like to read it from another translation. Amen. Libby Bible says it this way. It is he who saved us and chose us for his own holy work. I'm reading from verse 9. Not because we deserve it, but because there was his, this was his plan long before the world began. To show his love and kindness to us through Christ. And now he has made all of this plain for us by the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Who broke the power of death. And showed us the way of everlasting life through trusting him. And God has chosen us to be his missionary to preach to the Gentiles and to teach them this particular subject. And it's very interesting that we understand something. Okay, in the first place, let me define the word immortality. You know what? When we talk about immortality, we are talking about things that like, look like some robots that can be destroyed. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let me give you the simple definition of immortality from the word. Amen? Look at what it says. Immortality actually is from the Greek word apathia. Apathia actually means incorruptibility, unending existence. Figuratively genuineness, immortality, incorruption, sincerity. Now, we're going to read a few more scriptures in that so you see what I mean. Unending existence. Listen, let me tell you this. Your immortality started the day you received Christ. The seed of Christ in your life can never be terminated. But the life you receive from Adam terminated in Christ. Are you still there with me, somebody? You began your immortality journey the day you receive who? Jesus Christ. Because the life he has given to you can never come to an end. The life flows from your spirit as a seed. It begins to walk in your soul. And from your soul, it walks in your, what? your physical body. Watch this. When Adam sinned, that was not the day he died. But that also was the day he died. The day he ate of the tree, he died to the life of God. And become conscious of his environment. So, he was born into another world and he died to one world. Are you there with me? He died to the life of God, which has internal life. And was born into a corruptible life, which is a decaying life. The life of the senses. The day you are born again, you die to your old world and you are raised into another world, which is the world of the spirit. That is why you are not allowed to walk by your senses, but by the spirit of God. Are you following what I'm talking about? And this life which you have come to receive is the life of God, which is called the Zoe life of God. And the Zoe life of God have no ending. That means Immortality is already impregnated into your spirit. Are you following what I'm talking about? After Adam fell, 
Don't forget. Methuselah still lived for 600, 969 years. Is that alright? But then he has fallen. Then death was already operated. But he could still live for 969 years. So you can imagine the progression. Death works gradually in man, depreciating his years of existence. Now, you reverse the process as you receive Christ. The life begins to operate in your life and expanding and prolonging your years. What the life of corruption did on the other side, the life of incorruption is doing on this other side. Come on, is anybody catching this? So immortality is already in your life. You died because there was corruption in your system. Now you are going to live because there is immortality in your system. Are you following this? You need to catch it. Unending life. So even if you can make it like Enoch, that is not to say your years or your life has ended. Because the life you picked already is an unending life. You flow from this life to the other side. Is anybody getting this? Let me go down. There's something very important I want to share with you. But have you picked that so far? That immortality has already begun in your life. Amen? Because it is the life of God. You don't need to die to wake up to enter immortality. It is not when Christ comes again. Immortality is propagated and distributed through the gospel. That is why it is what? Good news. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me show you something very quickly here. You're going to like this. Amen. Uh, I would like us to turn to the book of John chapter 5. Let me show you this. This is the life I'm talking about. John chapter 5. But if, you are, if I have to read just one verse from the Amplified on that uh, Timothy that I read before. Second Timothy, verse 10. Let me just read that before I go to John 5. It is that purpose and grace which we now have made known and have fully disclosed and made real to us through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who annulled it and made it of no effect and brought life and immortality, immunity from death to life through the gospel. You've got an immunity. You know what immunity means? You should be able to understand. You are immunized against certain diseases and viruses through vaccination. Are you getting that? Hey, come on. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Through the gospel and what Jesus has done, you have been immunized against eternal death. Meaning all the viruses that were supposed to destroy your life, you now have power over them. There is something in your system that you don't know that have come to awaken you to this morning. You receive an immunity from eternal death. All dead things that were supposed to work in your life do not have power to work in your life anymore. Why? Because you have received an immunization. And guess what? Even as I'm declaring to you, you are receiving more immunization. Because the spirit and the power of immortality is distributed and communicated through what? Through the gospel. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 5. Look at what he says. I'm reading verse 24. Praise the living God. He said, Verily, very I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me had everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But his past Come on, come on. Is anybody there? He is passed from where? From unto life. The word communicates to you. The word distributes to you. The life of God. He that heareth my word. And I'm not talking about just broadcast like a radio. He that can receive my word. He can, that can believe the seed of my word. Has passed from death unto life. Not tomorrow. Did you get that? Your transition is based on the word. Everything that you can ever believe is in the gospel. Everything that you want is in the gospel. Every change that you want in life is in the gospel. Amen? Now, this is Jesus talking. But can I tell you something? <laughs> when Jesus said this, that was not the New Testament yet. 
Some of us can be confused about this, and it's good that confuses you sometimes so that you can think. That's why Jesus was also speaking in parable. The New Testament did not begin before the cross. Is that okay? Come on, are we together? New Testament began after the cross. Take it from me and quote me anywhere. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Okay. All right. Now let me take it from another translation, if you will. Um, you understand. When you say you receive eternal life, it's actually talking about the Zoe life. The very life of God. The life you receive, it is Zoe life. Not eternal life like when you die, resurrected, you're going to be floating in the sky. No, no, no. It's a comparison between the life you had in Adam and the life you're going to have in Christ. Is that alright? So the very time Jesus died, went to the cross, died, resurrected, received the Holy Spirit, received another life, which is the life of God. Right from that time, immortality was impregnated into your spirit. Can I tell you something? You are an immortal being. I know you won't accept that, but it makes no difference. You were a dead man when you were in Adam. But now you are a living being in Christ. You are an immortal being. You are exactly who you worship. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, let me read it from the, the Living Bible. I say emphatically that anyone who listens to my message and believes in God who sent me has eternal life. And I, I will never be damned for his sins. Oh my God. But has already passed out of death into life. And this is where I'm going to make you see some things that you will not like, but you're going to enjoy. <laughs> because, you know what? Don't forget. Why is it happening? Because the tabernacle of God is now what? With me. The life of God is resident in your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. So like I was saying before, all of this didn't come to play or didn't come to be until the fall of Jerusalem in what? In AD 70, when the temple crashed down by the Roman soldiers. And let me show you something here. In Isaiah 25, he said, Death is swallowed up in victory. Which is exactly what Paul quoted in 1 Corinthians 15. Are you still there? Now, the word swallowed up, if you check up and begin to read, what you find is this. It's like a poison being given to those who are sentenced to death. So they take the poison and drink it, and the poison begins to walk in them. Are you still there with me? So now Jesus came to death and swallowed up death. And gave you his life. So what was destroying you, he swallowed up. You will not understand. Just follow me. If you go to Hebrews chapter 9. Look at what he has to say. Hebrews 9. Look at there. Are you there with me? Verse 27. As it is written. I mean, I appointed unto me to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was not offered. Are you there with me? To bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. In other words, not to deal with sin. What he's saying here is this. All men got the appointment to die. The word appointment actually means like a portion. Hmm? Are you there with me? You can say, I have an appointment. It means you're going to meet with somebody. Right. The Bible now says, so Christ was once offered to do what? To bear the sins of many. In other words, he kept the appointment that you were supposed to keep. Now this is hard to believe. Are you there with me? The appointment of death you got, he kept the appointment. Therefore, you are not supposed to keep another appointment because he went to keep your appointment. Praise the living God. Are you following what I'm saying here? Very important you understand what I'm saying. So, he kept the appointment for you so that you will not do what? Keep the appointment. That is why the Bible says he swallowed up death in victory. He took your place. 
Hallelujah. Praise the living God. So, you mean not to understand that when he went to the cross, he swallowed up death in victory. Go back again to the book of Isaiah 27. Let me take something there for you. I mean, Isaiah 25. Very important. Hallelujah. Isaiah 25. If you look at that, if you begin to read the whole passage, there are three things of four I need to highlight for you there. Number one, he said, I will make a feast for our people. In that same chapter, I will make a feast for our people. Which means, there is no provision. The feast is already tied to the gospel. There is no provision in the gospel for you to dine with. Amen? You can take time to study the whole of Isaiah 25. But he said, in this mountain, shall I make a feast for all people. What mountain is he talking about? He's talking about Mount Zion. Which is the living God, the church of the living God. Amen? He said, I will make a feast for all people. Meaning, remember what we read before in Second Timothy. He made us to understand that we receive immortality through what? Through the gospel. The provisions you make or you need are where? In the gospel. He said, I will make a feast for all people. So number one, you know that. It means that in the gospel is no provision for your life. Everything you need. Listen, when he said, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy, this is the table. The provision is found where? In the gospel. Hallelujah. Number two, he made us understand that it's going to be the source of light and salvation. Look at what he says there. I will destroy the veil. I will abolish death. I will bring life and immortality. All of that you find in that same Isaiah 25. There is something I'm going to say to you now about the issue of the word veil. Amen? Number three. That also the gospel, it is sort of comfort and happiness. Look at what he said. I will wipe away all tears from all, all faces. I'm going to analyze a few things to you here. All these things are happening where? In my Zion. Now listen to me. The veil upon all faces, in the first place is this. If you watch the Arab nations, for instance, and I think even, even here, if somebody is sentenced to death, what happened? They will wear him a hood. Is that okay? And then take him to the gallow. That is a covering that is upon all faces. What God is saying is, every man is sentenced to death. But in this mountain, I am going to remove the hood. Did you get that? That's why he said, death is abolished. So it's like this. How many of you remember the woman that, whose child was being taken to bury and Jesus came and tapped the... Oh, come on, come on, come on. Is anybody following me? Good. In other words, the whole world is in a procession for the gallow. And as they were walking down, Jesus came, took the hood, put it on himself and said, you are free to go. I take the appointment. Is anybody catching this? It took me two days to get what I'm talking to you now. Two days of meditation and studying to be able to capture what I'm talking to you about this morning. The face, I mean the veil upon all faces, is a symbol of death that all nations carry. Symbolizing that the whole world has been sentenced to what? To death. So the hangman was leading them on. And Jesus appeared on the road. I said, can I take the hood from their head? Put it upon himself. Now they are free. I take the sentence. As appointed unto men wants to die. <laughs> are you getting what I'm talking about? Jesus took what? The appointment. So death is far from your tabernacles. Yeah. Hallelujah. Are, are, you, are you still following this? Face of covering. Another important symbolism of that covering is this. It's a symbol of sorrow. It's a symbol of tears. If you read the book of Second Samuel 15, 
from verse 29 to 30, you find that David, after Absalom planned the treason to overthrow him, get him out of the palace, and David was afraid. He took his wife, took his servant, and they begin to run. Zadok, they have to take the ark and begin to run to Jerusalem. Run out of the city. You know what happened? The Bible said David had to put something on his head and begin to mourn. That's why I said, I will take away all tears from your eyes. The covering is a symbol of tears that you have been covering. But God has come to announce to you today, all your sorrow shall be taken away and it's been taken away in Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. You have not known this before, but now you know it. So your pains have been taken away. Everything that will make you to be in sorrow, God wants to take from you. Praise the living God. The next thing that a covering symbolizes is ignorance. Amen? That's why if you take your time to read the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 18, the Bible tells us that the Gentiles has their heart darkened. And 2 Corinthians 3, the Bible also made us understand concerning the Jewish people, the Hebrews, who had the law, that because Moses covered his face, how many of you remember that, the light of the gospel cannot be revealed to them. So it's a symbol of ignorance. But I'm announcing to you today, Jesus has come and he says the light of the world. And every covering upon your faith is a symbol of ignorance. God has come to remove in the name of Jesus Christ. Meaning you are not supposed to walk in ignorance. Over the week, we're in a meeting. We have to leave. Compulsorily. Because we just cannot be able to stay under the atmosphere. What was coming out of what you call the pulpit was poison. You can't afford to live in ignorance. The light has come. The veil has been taken. He said in this mountain, which is in the church of God, shall the veil of ignorance be what? Be taken away. Remember, 13, this veil symbolizes one sentence of death two symbol of sorrow tears and mourning is anybody following this three what ignorance all of that god has taken away from you you can afford to be an ignorant person in any system that you find yourself listen to me you are supposed to walk now as listen i told you here some time ago when jesus said he that is greater than solomon is here how many of you remember that what was he talking about I don't work my natural senses. Solomon was multiplying things to be able to get riches. I don't do all of that. I do nothing except what I see the father do. My wisdom is not earthly wisdom. Solomon was working by his senses. He was multiplying things very short. But I'm working by a different dimension. And he said, greater than Solomon is what? is here. You are supposed to be children of wisdom. Hallelujah. You are supposed to be what? Children of wisdom. That is what God created it to be in Christ. Can I announce one more time to you? Death is swallowed up in what? In victory. He took the poison himself. That is why if you take any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Because he first drank the poison. Even if you drink it now, it amounts to nothing in your life. Everything that was supposed to destroy you, he took on himself. Don't forget. If you forget anything, don't forget one thing. Why is there swallowed up in victory? You will wore the hood before to be sentenced to go to the gallows. He met you on the road. He took the hood. He set you free. Now your eyes can see. Are you still there with me? He took you away from the hangman's hand. Are you getting what I'm talking about? It's like the devil was the one that was leading you to the place of destruction and he met you on the road. Just like, and he took you from the hangman's hand. He told the devil, you can't destroy him anymore. He opened your face that you may see. So you can't walk in darkness anymore. You are now the light of the world. You are now the light of the world. You are now wisdom passing the vibe. Come and stand up and let's begin to give thanks.